sports. Sports. And now sports. You're listening to The Coach's Corner with hosts Jim Bola and Tyler Bischoff, covering UNLV and all Las Vegas sports. Your one-stop shop for sports talk. Get your butt in the gym. Hello, Las Vegas. Coach's Corner. He's Jim Bola. I am Tyler Bischoff. Got to get to uh, some Raiders today as they report to training camp. Uh, everybody except Khalil Mack will do that. Uh, Las Vegas Lights play tonight against the Seattle Sounders 2. Big game. Big game for Lights. Everything's big. Got to make the playoffs. Um, but we'll uh, we'll start with some uh, UNLV and uh, UNLV basketball. Um, we had earlier this week, we had Mike Ramallah on the show and... He wrote a story just sort of summarizing Marvin Menzies recruiting and, and now it's more normalized. Yeah. Numbers numbers of recruits that yeah. he signed because you know, he came he came in with the cupboard bare and it had to fill it up real quick. Yes. And that always kind of throws you off. You really want to get to a position where you're given on three, four, put at the worst five. Yeah. A year, but you want to be in that three to four every year kind of um, range so that you've got some continuity in your program, and he's he's getting close to it. So they will they have uh, for the class of 2019 two scholarships coming open by way of graduating seniors could right. always end up being more uh, with transfers, but it shaping up to be a small class, the smallest one that Marvin Menzies has since he's been at UNLV. Here's one of the quotes from Marvin Menzies in that story uh, in The Sun. We'll have a little more time to build relationships and dig a little deeper into the character of the young men we're bringing in. Watch them more and just be more sure of who we want. First off, do you think Marvin is like finally like breathing a sigh of relief with his recruiting? That like he's finally put out the fire that was UNLV basketball. Well, as far as, as far as numbers with recruits, yeah, I think he's getting now to a more normal. Um, whereas, whereas the first two years, it was like panic in the city. Yep. It's like, we just, we got to get players, man. We got to get players. Well, there's none available. I, I don't care. Let's just take whatever we can get. Year one, it was just got to get players. We'll take what we can get. Year two was, all right, some of those players weren't very good. So right. we're gonna, they're going to be gone and yeah. we still have to get six or seven more. Yeah. Guys. We've, we've got a, we've made some. We've made some mistakes with some of the kids that we had to take just to have numbers. They're going to sit on the bench for the next couple of years, so we've got to go out and get some kids that can play. With UNLV's recruiting now, and when Marvin Menzies says they've got time to build relationships and time to uh, to dig deeper into these kids, basically, basically Marvin Menzies is saying they can be more picky. They can be more choosy with the guys they bring in. And so, I guess my question is, Ethan Anderson is the uh, the point guard recruit they just landed for the class of 2019. He is not a top 200 recruit. Um, he's a three-star. If Menzies can be more choosy and picky, shouldn't we be expecting better players than that? Higher, higher numbers, yeah, as far as rankings are concerned. and then But then that goes back again to Cole Anthony. Yeah, didn't want him. So... You know, dad, national championship team, 
local guy here, a uh, television analyst, and his son can play. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, five-star recruit. And Menzies, for some reason or another, just didn't didn't want him. And, and it happens. I mean, there are kids. I mean, I didn't want Cheryl Miller. Was that a good decision on your part? Well, when it came down to it, that we weren't going to be able to compete with Southern Cal. But you know, the first time I saw her, I came back and I said, I don't care how good this kid is. I don't want her. Wait, why not? What was, what was Oh, she it was we were I was down in Southern Cal watching this game and you know, it was a high school game and she was just so much better than the other players and they were basically beating her up. Okay, and the refs were letting it go. So third quarter, she goes she goes she hits the floor and starts the whole crying and whining. They stopped the game and the only person that was allowed to touch her was her dad. Trainer Clinton, they the dad taped her to dad everything. So they come out and she's on the court for five minutes at least, you know, with all this moaning and groaning and stuff. And then, so they basically carry her off the floor. <laughs> so they go over and they sit down and the dad's, you know, working on her, talking to her and stuff like that. Start the game back up and her team starts coming back to win. I mean, and they they take they take the lead and she jumps up off the bench. And she's ready to go. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Too much drama. Too much. It's just too much drama. You could have so. just hired her dad to be an assistant coach. Could have been. Could have been. been. He would have been the, the coach for one player. Yep. And that's it. Didn't yep. coach anybody else. Yep. Just... But, but you know, I, but to me, that was more of a character issue, yeah. as, as um, Coach Menzies was saying. And I think, you know, the other thing that we, and we always did this, my assistants and I, would go to the schools, and we would talk to the support staff at the schools. We would talk to the janitors. We talked to the ladies that serve lunch about the kids. I say, why the hell? Is and they would give us the real. They'd give us a real story on these kids, and we would come back sometimes going, "Hey, this kid's this kid's a bad kid." We lunch lady says we don't this know. Kid yeah, sucks. lunch the lunch lady says this kid's sassy or something, you know. <laughs> um, but you know, we tried to get a tried to get a better all-around view of the kid because the easy part is the talent um watching them play with their team that's the easy part but how they interact with just regular people on a day-to-day basis um and and what was really interesting it was typically the janitorial staff that knew everything about everybody (laughs) so we need some point in the future we need to talk to some janitor that's going to be like, oh, I love Marvin Menzies. He comes and talks yeah. to me all the time. He wants to know about kids. That, that's that's what that's the quote we need at some point in the future. Yeah. For some no, janitor. It's... it's not the mom anymore. It's the janitor. The well, janitor no, the, that, that, the mom's on the other side of the <laughs> equation. I mean, the mom is, for most basketball um, players, it's the mom. you got to get with the mom because mom is going to really have an impact on where the kid goes and um, – so I, I think, you know, in, in certain cases, yeah, you've got mom and dad or you've got the AAU coach. But for the most part, I would say 85% of the time, the mom is a significant influence in the kid's decision where they're going to go. Unless you're Brandon McCoy, then it's your guardian who yeah, stands it's in your, the crowd yeah, it's comes your... and yells at Doug Gottlieb for <laughs> ripping Brandon McCoy for not playing very good defense. Um, as far as Ethan Anderson goes and, and – 
wanting UNLV to recruit at a higher level, especially if Menzies can be more picky. Should we give Marvin the benefit of the doubt that maybe this kid, just because he's not highly ranked, that maybe Marvin's in on him early and Marvin knows, hey, this kid's going to be good? Well, and and again, I think the style that you play, there are certain kids that when you go watch them play, you may – and I've had this happen. Within five minutes, you go, I need to have this kid. And they may not be a five-star kid, but for what you're running and what your needs are, this kid might be the perfect fit. So, yeah, I think we need to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, Point guard, to me, is the question mark for this team for the next couple years. Uh, I think this year particularly they're going to have – um, you know, some concerns at that point guard spot. And we'll see what happens. But, no, I think we need to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he's he's shown us in the past he can get pretty decent players. Yeah. So maybe he sees something. He's early early in on this kid. He sees something that for UNLV, this kid fits that slot perfectly, and that's all he needs. I just – I wonder if Marvin Menzies is ever going to recruit a kid that can shoot threes. Because if you remember this this guy, Ethan Anderson, when he talked to Mike Ramallo, the son, he was talking about yeah. his game, and he's like, yeah. I can drive to the basket, I can hit from mid-range. He didn't say anything about no. hitting from three. No. Like, it wasn't a thing he said. So you've just got this plethora of players that just, nah, three-pointers, not important. Well, but does, does, does the fact that he really hasn't recruited a three-pointer put the streak in jeopardy this year? I listen. I genuinely think Marvin Menzies is going to be the coach when the streak ends. The streak ends. Yeah, like I agree, I agree with you. It's hard to do because in college basketball you shoot so many threes, so now. many opportunities. Yeah, but it's like, but they came close this year a couple of times. Yeah, but like Marvin Menzies doesn't. It's, it's not a not, big part of his. It's not offense. part of his game plan. It's not part of his game plan. Like we'll have to go back and I need to go back and look the last two years. I wonder how many games there were that Jovan Mooring was the only guy to hit a three on the team because I bet there were a couple of games where he was the only player that hit a three and basically Jovan Mooring you could say is responsible for keeping the streak alive a lot the last two years yeah because it's I mean it's strange he's just it's not something Marvin Menzies sees as a big priority of of shooting threes or having guys that are great three-point shooters and it's it's strange because the way college basketball is going is it's more threes everywhere else except at UNLV and yeah that streak could be in jeopardy I mean I I genuinely thought his first year that it was going to end because they, they didn't have very good players. Well, what, very many. what's funny is if you sit in the crowd, it's a real big issue with the people in the crowd. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, I can't remember what game it was last year, but they didn't make a three until there was like four minutes yeah. left in the game. No, it was very close to and ending the streak. This is the 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 funny thing with the UNLV crowd is when a guy shoots a three. Usually there's groaning. They're yeah. like, oh, don't shoot that. Yeah. Like when Chris Wood was here, good Lord, when he <laughs> shot a three, it was the end of the world. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? But when UNLV's in the second half and they haven't made a three yet, oh, they're, it is the they're, they're rooting. Mindset. They're rooting for that. They don't shot. care what player it is. Get it up. If get it up and have it bounce off line? the board. I don't care what it does, but get it up and get it in. And it's it's one of my favorite things about UNLV fans is is that like yelling at kids to shoot threes when they haven't made one yet because the streak is that important to them. And, oh, God, we got to keep this alive. Made a three in every game. And then, and then when it. they make it, the crowd kind of erupts. And it doesn't matter if you're down 20. No, yeah, not at all. It's, it, it, but it's like the highlight of the game. Yeah, biggest moment of the game. Yeah. What, and the other funny part of it is 
the players themselves usually don't know. No. Like, they usually don't really have an idea. Like no. they, they might know of the streak, but they're not but actively the, but thinking yeah, But it's it. not a point of emphasis. Yes. It's yeah. not a point of emphasis. So, like, they'll have everybody yelling at them to shoot threes, all confused, looking around like, what? Why are you guys yelling at me to shoot a three? I've taken one all season. Yeah. And then somebody makes one, and like you said, they're down 20, but the crowd goes crazy, and they're like, all right, cool, guys, thanks. So Yeah, yeah there was one time I was sitting in the stands, and there was a young kid with his dad, and the kid, he, kid had to be like maybe 10, 11, somewhere around there. And they made they made the three in the crowd, and, and the kid goes, dad, dad, what just happened? And he goes, oh, they made a three-pointer to keep the streak alive. And he and he said, well, is that like important? He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was just sitting there going, okay, this is awesome. More important than winning the game is yeah. keeping the streak alive. That's priority number one. Coach's Corner, Jim Bola and Tyler Bischoff are brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Drive to be connected sports betting app. It is the easiest way to bet on sports in Vegas, and it is free to download. Remember old Vegas where the golf courses were right outside your door? The Casablanca Mesquite is just like Vegas used to be. Now, at bookmesquitegolf.com, you can build your own room and golf getaway starting at $100. Mesquite Golf Packages draw golfers from all over the country to play on scenic and challenging courses. Stay in a deluxe tower room and choose from six golf courses within a six-minute drive from the Casablanca Resort and Spa. Build your own golf getaway at bookmesquitegolf.com. Choose from six unique and challenging courses for every golfer. Find the course to match your skill level. The Palms, Falcon Ridge, Conestoga, Oasis Palmer, Oasis Canyons, or Casablanca Golf Club. So pack your clubs and reserve a tee time. Go to bookmesquitegolf.com and customize your perfect golf getaway at the Casablanca Resort and Spa. Stay at the Casablanca Resort and Spa. It's just like Vegas used to be. You're listening to The Coach's Corner with hosts Jim Bola and Tyler Bischoff, covering UNLV and all Las Vegas sports. Coach's Corner brought to you by Casablanca Resort in Mesquite, Nevada. Are you golfing Mesquite? Visit golfingmesquite.com to book your getaway today. Raiders reporting to training camp today. In Napa. We have a, a tweet from Adam Schefter about Khalil Mack who is not reporting. Yes, yes. But this is the tweet from Adam Schefter. Interesting fact of the day. John Gruden and Oakland defensive end Khalil Mack yeah, this have is amazing. not spoken once since the Raiders hired their new head coach in January. That, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that's incredible that they haven't spoken. Now, I know early on he wasn't allowed to talk to them. Because yeah, of there was the two-month period. Yeah, but... You would think you'd talk to this guy as soon as you were allowed to. Yeah, um, I mean just to get just to get to know him. According, who was it? I think it was Adam Schefter who tweeted a little bit later on that it's not because John Gruden hasn't tried to talk to Khalil Mack. Oh, it's been okay. Khalil Mack not it's responding not, okay. to whatever whatever the reaching out has been on John Gruden's end. Now, don't know. Maybe John Gruden made one phone call and was like, "Well, if you don't want to talk to me, screw you." But Right. Apparently, John Gruden has been has reached out, but Khalil Mack is like, nope, not talking to you. I want a new deal. So, it's not surprising that Khalil Mack is holding out. We've been expecting that until they get a new deal done. But, like, it it is very strange that John Gruden hasn't talked to Khalil Mack. Like, it's very strange that those two haven't spoken, especially because almost every time John Gruden talks to the media now, 
his Mac's name is mentioned. Yeah, he's yeah. like, we got to get Khalil Mack in camp, like yeah. almost every time. And they haven't talked yet, which is strange. It's very strange. Um, so who blinks first in this? That's going to be interesting because I could see Gruden being really stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mac is going to hold out. I mean, he's 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 kind of showing it. I mean, today's the first day that they're going to be there. He's not going to show up. Um, and I'm sure the media is going to go to Gruden and said, you know, why haven't you talked to the guy? And <laughs> you know, Gruden's going to say, I want to talk to him. He just won't talk back. Yeah, and that uh, that comment you made the other day that 100 million that you're getting paid that you said if we're not oh, winning that's, that's a good quote so the, it was to the usa today and the quote is from gruden if i can't get it done i'm not going to take their money referring to mark davis and the right Rangers. right so first of all what what is the definition of getting it done yes that number is very one important very question. very gray area <laughs> and does gruden have those kind of reserves yeah because i'm sure he's going to spend some money at some point, what is, what is the definition of getting it done? I that's a great question. Like, I mean, that would be that would be my follow up to that statement. Okay, coach, that, that that's awesome. But what is the parameters for getting it done? Like, does he is it a winning season or is it is it the make Super the playoffs? Bowl? Is it winning the Super Bowl? You know, what are you here for? And yeah. that would put him on the spot. And I could just see him puckering his lips up and going into Chucky mode. Like and, if. What, like, what if he coaches out the 10-year contract and they have, like, eight playoff appearances and they win the AFC championship game a couple of times, but they never win the Super Bowl? Like, that'd be really successful to, yeah. to go to the playoffs eight out of 10 years. Yeah, by any but, other standards, it would be very successful. But that might not be getting it done because the expectation is Super Bowl. And I don't know. What it like? Yeah, that is, that is a very strange thing to say that I'm not going to take their money when if I don't get it done. Like, what are the chances John Gruden, like, pays back his salary? Zero. <laughs> Zero. He's, he's not going to take their money if he doesn't get it done because he's going to get fired halfway through. And, and then go to court to get his, get the rest yes. of his money. And uh, so I think they still owe Lane Kiffin money. I think I – think, Are know, they still paying Lane well, Kiffin? Well, I don't think they're paying him. Oh, they're they, – When he – when they fired him, they owed him money, him. and they Al, Al Davis said, not going to pay you. All right. Take me to court. So So Lane Kiffin is still owed money by I the I think Raiders. he still has some money issues with the Raiders. Jack Del Rio might still be owed some money unless probably, they probably. paid him out right away. Yeah. And John Gruden's owed $100 million over the next 10 years. There was another thing Gruden said in that USA Today story about um, no one know, like no one knows how my deal is structured. Yeah. Which is a very strange thing to say because, I mean, we don't know how it's structured. Well, like, all he did now was like diffuse for everybody to go try to find out what yeah. his deal was. But, like, there was a lot of, a lot of, I shouldn't say reporting, speculation when Gruden signed it that he was getting paid very little right now. And, and then, when then they escalating, come to Vegas, escalating as they go, yeah. If you're Gruden, though, would you agree to that? Um. Like if you if you're on average getting paid ten would, million dollars a year, would you I agree would, to like two or three in the first couple of years? No, then, I would. Well, especially he was making seven or something at ESPN. Yeah. Um, I would do it like a player's deal. I said I need to have a signing bonus. Yeah. You know, I need thirty million signing bonus <laughs> guaranteed up front. Do the uh, and do, then you can give me two million a year for the first two years, and then you know. 
do the John Tavares with Toronto, where his salary is six hundred fifty thousand, yes. yes. but his, his signing, signing bonus, bonus is, is the majority, majority of the contract. Yeah. <laughs> so Gruden's like, all right, I will take a ninety-five million dollar signing bonus. Yeah, and guaranteed, then you can pay guaranteed, guaranteed. Yeah. Up front, and, and then spread the rest out over the next ten years. Yeah. And then I'll take like five hundred thousand over the next ten years each year. So yeah, that's what I hope Gruden's doing over there. But yeah, some strange things. Uh, with John Gruden not talking to Khalil Mack yet and uh, him saying he'd give all of his money back if he doesn't. Uh, so the Raiders had a free agent visit this week. Yes. They were supposed to have Eli Rogers visit, by the way, wide receiver from the Steelers. Yeah. But he re-signed, he with, the re-signed with the Steelers. He re-signed with the Steelers, yep. So they missed out on Eli Rogers there, um, probably because Eli Rogers is 25 years old and he was like, I ain't playing with all those old guys. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, but... They met with a cornerback, Brashad Breland. Uh, Breland is 26 years old. He's been an every-game starter at cornerback in the NFL for his four seasons. They were all with Washington. Um, And this offseason, he actually signed with the Panthers, but then he failed his physical after he hurt his foot on vacation. Hmm. So that nullified the deal he signed with the Panthers, and... He's met with a handful of teams since then and still hasn't been signed by anybody. He came to Oakland earlier this week, didn't come to an agreement and left. He went to Kansas City the next day and the Chiefs were saying, like, I think it was the Chiefs GM was like, we're not planning on letting him leave Kansas City yeah. without a deal. Well, he left Kansas City without a deal. Ooh, that, that, uh, <laughs> I think that implies that this foot injury is a big deal, is a significant yeah. uh, situation for. I mean, when you have five, six teams that are interested in you, mm-hmm. um, you've already had one contract nullified because of the foot deal, and it's just too—it's just probably too risky for them to take a gamble. Yeah. Um, and you have one team saying we don't plan on letting him leave without signing. Oh a deal. yeah, I mean that's to and me help. that's like Gruden's didn't say that specifically about him, but Gruden said something similar. Yeah, we really like the guy. When yeah. we get guys in, we we sign them before they can go visit somewhere else type of deal there. So I do, if he was healthy, I do really like the idea of it because he's 26-year-old cornerback and he is a NFL-level starter um, yeah. that you can add to this defense and they, they well, need the help. Well, immediate help. Yeah. Immediate help and, for the Raiders particularly, but... You know, you feel – hopefully this guy has some kind of insurance policy <laughs> on his own that said if I'm dumb enough to do something that prevents me from playing and yeah. I got some coverage. But, you know, foot injury, I mean, you're you're probably talking I – mean, I'm just guessing, I'm speculating. It could be like a fifth metatarsal, which is very common. Um did he have surgery or anything? Do you know? I don't know. I don't believe so, okay. but I don't know for sure. Yeah, it may be a deal where he may have to have some surgery, and he's probably going to miss a year. He's trying to put and it. Teams off are like going, "Wait a minute! You know, we're going to sign you, and then you're going to go in the hospital." And their doctors are saying, "We don't yeah, have you it. need surgery," and he's like, "I don't need surgery. Yeah, I can play." Yeah, now. so I think that uh, that that one's interesting because not particularly because of the Raiders situation. It's just he's been to a couple teams and. It, always seems like a ton of interest initially mm-hmm. and then you know when he goes and sees the doc it's like the doc basically comes back and goes no we don't want this guy maybe we shouldn't trust team doctors you saw what happened with the spurs and danny green right that danny green had what was it like his his groin was injured all season long 
and nobody like none of the team doctors with the Spurs picked up on it until the end of the season when he did an exit physical or whatever like he played the whole season with an injury and, and none of the doctors like realized it at any point so maybe we shouldn't trust team doctors also one bit of news from uh UNLV's uh media day yesterday yes Tony Sanchez said wide receiver Drew Techman who's going to be the fourth fifth wide receiver this year that Drew Techman last year they they noticed throughout the year that he like was running with a hitch and and wasn't as explosive as they expected him to be and everything and at the end of the year they went and got it checked got him checked out he had a golf ball size hernia oh and now that they've gotten that taken care of he's like this is the fastest guy i've ever seen yeah. he's like this guy is great like we we kind of knew something was wrong last year but he's like now that he's got that taken care of it's great but golf ball size hernia sounds terrible to try to play a whole football season yeah, with, which is apparently that, that's, uh, what Drew Techman did. Yeah, that's pretty significant, you know, <laughs> that uh, either that or, you know, or he must be a really tough guy. Yeah. Didn't, com- didn't complain about it and just yeah. kind of, you know, worked his way through the season. Um, but, yeah, there, there, I mean, there's a b- enough. I mean, you, you can, I can tell you like 10 horror stories about you know, what doctors don't catch, you know. <laughs> and um, sometimes you just shake your head and you go, how can you how can you miss it? And then you've got other situations where the, the player doesn't really acknowledge it. Yeah. You know, doesn't want to acknowledge it because you're potentially giving up a starting spot. Yeah, they don't want to come out. I mean, and you talk about injuries costing you. Charles Williams was the starting running back for UNLV last year, and he gets hurt, Lexington Thomas, has an unbelievable season, and Tony Sanchez is like, yeah, we're not really splitting carries. Lexington Thomas earned the right to to be our number one guy. So Charles Williams basically lost his job to, to injury because he got hurt, and Lexington Thomas exploded after that. Coach's Corner, Jim Bola and Tyler Bischoff, brought to you by Casablanca Resort in Mesquite, Nevada. There are so many ways to be satisfied with the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Enjoy cocktails and steaks the way nature intended at Alder and Birch. Visit the newly updated Prime Rib Loft. Experience the all-new Bailiwick Gastro Pub to share unique dining selections, try new craft draft beers, and enjoy great live music. Dine at Andori Asian Kitchen for authentic Chinese entrees or choose from a large selection of sushi and Japanese cuisine. Check out the all-new Copper Whisk Cafe, open 24 hours with a menu that is sure to entice any palate. So savor the latest and greatest variety of flavors at the Orleans. You're listening to The Coach's Corner with hosts Jim Bola and Tyler Bischoff. Cover UNLV and all Las Vegas sports. Coach's Corner wrapping up our show here on Thursday. A couple of different things to get to in this last segment. Starting with... LeBron James being basically forced to leave a, a AAU game because somebody was heckling him and there were too many people in this small gym. And now LeBron James is never going to play for the Las Vegas Pelicans <laughs> whenever they move here. But so first off, LeBron James comes to watch his son play an AAU game. Right. And where did they put them? They were at Liberty High School in the auxiliary gym. So not even the main gym. It's at a Liberty. tiny, and it's a tiny gym. All the schools in Vegas are basically cookie cutters. So you've got a main gym and you've got a small auxiliary gym that's right adjacent to the main gym. There's two sets of double doors that you get into the auxiliary gyms, and there's like three rows of bleachers on one wall, and that's it. 
So they're like, we'll put LeBron here. Yeah, we'll put LeBron's kid here in this one. You know, no, no one's going to come watch him play. Yeah, He's just a cares kid. About him. So I guess LeBron comes and the place just gets packed and <laughs> people were heckling. You know, some some one or some people were heckling. According to the LeBron. RJ, some guy in a Michael Jordan Bulls jersey was heckling LeBron James. <laughs> and it and turned. They, they turned, canceled it. They ended up canceling the game because of safety. There were concerns about safety. So. Um, you know, I think you got to do a better job of managing your tournament if you're, you know, you've got that situation coming in, number yeah. one. Um, and, I mean, it's great. I think it's great that LeBron's here and he's watching his kid play. But, you know, give the guy some space, you know. <laughs> but don't put him in a situation where you're going to encourage things like this to happen. I mean, first of all, just that game – if the guy didn't heckle him, they were going to have issues with people trying to get in that gym. Oh, yeah. Just to see LeBron. Yeah. Not his kid. Yeah. Just to see LeBron. <laughs> um, so there, there was going to be an issue there. So, you know, they need to do, I think, a little better job of uh, game management. Um, because, you know, this week is the last week of the crazy recruiting season. And there's, Oh, there's at least four tournaments in town, so I'm I'm going to go to two of them today, um, and see what's happening. So, um, but yeah, it was that was kind of a you know, luckily nothing serious happened, which was good, yeah. you know. But they had to cancel the game. Just a guy in a Michael Jordan jersey yelling at LeBron yeah. James, and too many people trying to get in there. It is uh, it's strange how uh, Las Vegas is the uh, the epicenter of college basketball recruiting for this last week of, of the college basketball recruiting season, at least in the summer anyways. Oh, yeah. it's it's uh, Actually, Mike talked to me yesterday about, you know, he's writing a story, and, and I said, you know, you really got to look at the economic impact of what's happening in town this week because you've got a 1,000 teams. It's a lot. At least, yeah. at least. You've got college coaches from every division here hotel rooms rent-a-cars um you know the food i said you should probably talk to las vegas events i'm sure they've got a i'm sure they've got a number of what kind of impact these mm -hmm. things bring uh to the city and um i remember i came in one time from hawaii during this kind of time frame and i i arrived at midnight and I go to the rent-a-car place, and they go, uh, well, we're out of cars. And I go, what do you mean you're out of cars? And they go, well, all these basketball tournaments. I said, this isn't something that just happened overnight. <laughs> you needed to plan for this. And the lady goes, well, we've got cars. We just don't have people on staff because it's midnight. I go, call people in. Do something. <laughs> so I go, so she goes, go downstairs, and as the cars get ready, we'll pull them up. And there was 30 people waiting for cars. And... A van came up, and guys sprinted to this van. And I thought there was going to be a fist fight because it was like two different clubs. Uh -huh. And that's my van. No, that's my van. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is going to get ugly real quick. So I finally went over to the guy after about being there an hour, and I went over to the guy that was supposedly in charge, and I said, listen, I can't, I can't do this. He says, oh no, we got. He said we're going to make an announcement here. So he. He gets everybody together. He says, okay, here's what we're going to do. You can all take taxis to where you're staying. And then in the morning, come back and bring us your receipts from your taxis. And we will apply that to your rental. 
and we'll have cars ready for you. So I go up to the guy and I go, uh, I said, that's not going to work. That's not working. So he points over and there's like, there's a row of cars. He goes, just go take one of those cars. He goes, go see the lady get the keys for one of those cars. Well, they were all like the luxury cars. So I went and got a Mercedes. <laughs> I said, am I getting the Mercedes at the, you know, the, you know, the economy car rate or whatever? Yeah. He goes, yeah, whatever rate we told you, you'll get that. <laughs> he goes, call in the morning and let, let us know. So, so I take the Mercedes. I was staying at my house actually. Um, call him in the morning and, and the lady goes, ah, oh, just keep it. Just keep it for as long <laughs> as you need it, you know, for whatever you need it. I'm driving around in a Mercedes and, <laughs> you know, it was great. It was, it was awesome. So, but it's just like the, the, the impact that these tournaments have on a town like Las Vegas that can support them because you've got enough high schools to do it. They used to do some at the convention center. I don't know if they are still doing that because they had those issues with the ceilings falling down over there. Um, it's a pretty significant week for the for the community for the city, and then uh, and then what coach doesn't want to come to Vegas? Come on, yeah, let's be honest. That's right. Bring so, your whole staff. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Las Vegas Lights are back in action. Awesome. They are, uh, in Seattle against Seattle Sounders two. Is it on local TV? I don't know for 21? sure. Twenty one. I. I I think so, but I can't tell you for sure. All right, let's see here. My LVTV is where you go for lights games most of the time. Not quite all of them are there. But Sounders 2, Jim, last place in the West. Doesn't mean anything. Not at all. Um, Three wins, 13 losses, two draws is what Sounders 2 have done this year. Yes. They've lost six straight games. Okay. And that includes a 4-1 loss to Lights FC in Vegas. Okay. Um. It, it is on my TV. It is. All right. Yes. So you can watch it. My LV Seven TV. o'clock. I think it's 21 on direct TV and like 12 or something on Cox. It's something different on Cox, which is weird to me. Um, they have to win this one though, right? Well, they have, they, they need to get a win. They need to get a win. So, um, you know, my one pet peeve with these games, when you're watching them on TV, normally the home team is on the right side of the score. Yeah, in soccer, the home team's always first. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are they playing away? No, they're home. Why? Why? Yeah, no, yeah. It's the, it is scoreboards in sports. The home team is always bottom or, or last on right. the scoreboard. Right. But in soccer, the home team is first on the scoreboard. Yeah, which is kind of, well, maybe it's a soccer thing. It so. is. It is. And I, I don't know why. Because, I mean, even on ESPN, yeah. even on ESPN, it's like that. I'm like, yeah. Any, this any makes soccer no sense. you watch anyway, the home team is always going to be first on the scoreboard, which is very, very strange. It's something. So when I was, when I was uh, growing up, my younger sister, anytime she would watch sports with me, she would ask questions. And within 30 seconds of her asking the question, the broadcasters or whoever would, would answer her question or whatever. Like she'd ask something simple and they'd answer it. And one of the things that I tried to teach her was if you want to know who's at home, look at the scoreboard and who's ever listed second is the team that's at home. And then soccer comes along and does it the opposite way. And you got to confuse everybody. <laughs> then, yeah. With it. With then you got to go back and try to explain it. And then you get the, then you get the question. Well, why? Yeah. <laughs> um, so as far as the lights go, big picture, they are at 23 points. I need to pull up the standings to see if anybody won last night. They've got a chance. If they win this one, they'd have their first winning streak of the season. They have not won back-to-back games at any point. 
right. since they've since they've been a team. All right. So if they win tonight, they'll get to twenty six points. They will be just three points back of the final playoff spot. And they will have two games in hand on Fresno, who's in the last playoff spot there. So So very very doable. Yes. Basically. Yes. There are even if they win tonight, they'll still be in eleventh place, so they're still ninth right, and tenth between right. them in the playoffs too. Um, but yes, very, very doable with fifteen games or fourteen games left in the season now. If they if they win tonight, they get within three points of the playoffs, and they, they've got a pretty solid chance of getting there. Um, Lights making the playoffs, by the way, would be terrific. I'd oh be so man, you you would not be able to contain Brent. He he'd be <laughs> he'd be off the chart. You the, know. The one problem or the one annoyance is that if lights make the playoffs, they're going to be like the seven or eight seed. They're yeah. not going to get a home game. Yeah. So that's disappointing because like, oh man, I want nothing more than a Cashman Cashman Field playoff game for Las Vegas lights with Usain Bolt running down the sideline for Las Vegas lights. They need that too. They need to win tonight so they have a winning streak and then Usain Bolt will be like, all right, I'll come play for you guys. You guys look like you're figuring things out. I'll come play for you. Score some goals and, and we'll get you into the playoffs, Las Vegas. Yeah, nothing new on Usain Bolt though, by the way. He hasn't signed anywhere yet. Hopefully, hopefully everything in Turkey or wherever the hell else he was looking falls apart and he's left with just Las Vegas lights. That'd be great. Be so good if Usain Bolt comes here. Coach's Corner, Jim Bola and Tyler Bischoff. We'll see you tomorrow.